Welcome to the Good Bad Mad podcast, a show that's here to share the ins and outs of creative careers, connecting the aspirational with the experienced, with your host, me, Meg Ellis. My guest for this episode is the astonishing Kerry Ellis. She's an actress and phenomenal singer, best known for her musical theatre roles such as Wicked's Alphabet and Eliza Doolittle. I really hope you enjoy it. Carrie, hi. Hi, Meg. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so excited to talk to you. Pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's, it, I'm, you know, I know how important these things are. I've started up my own podcast in mm. this time, so I know how, you know, how, how important it is getting people on. So I, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so our purpose really at the good bad mad is to facilitate that information between experienced creative professionals and newbie young starters who are who are trying to get the answers to some questions and personally I just think creative mentorship is is a rarity yeah absolutely absolutely so musical theatre I guess is going to be our topic today because I mean you are the famous alphabet, really. Um, and I'll say straight out, Wicked is my favourite musical. And I'm pretty damn sure it was you I saw back in 2007, 2008. Could have been. Could have when been. I first saw it. it was when so. I was there. So yeah, you very much could have seen me. <laughs> and it is, it is my favourite. I've seen it so many times. But I, I'm a proper musical get up. So I want to know all the ins and the outs of what it takes to be a musical theatre star, really. Well, that's a big question, really. I, I, I mean, for me, it's been, it's about the longevity, really, and about the, you know, I've been really fortunate to do lots of different shows and lots of different musicals. and But for me, it's not just about doing doing shows and, and just going, right, I just want to be in musicals. That's my path because I think the arts is so much more than that. And I think you have to be open to so much more than that because not only does the right show have to be available, you have to be exactly that right person for that show. You have to line up with everybody else. You have to be available. You know, there's a lot of factors that the show has to come around to start with. You know, there, there's a lot of factors that come in. Mm. So for me, it's about variety and about uh, keeping myself interested in what I'm doing. And I love that it's always different. I love that there's always a different challenge. And when the phone rings, it's like, oh, well, maybe I'm going to go and try and do this today. That's great. And, and I like that you never quite know what's going to happen. And I've spent... 20 odd years 20 plus years doing doing just that and I think that's what has been exciting and has been um I don't know why it's why it's it's kept going I think more than anything um is is variety where did you start out when did you first think oh musical theatre or, or theatre in general is is the thing that I want to do I don't think it was it was I want to be in shows it was more as a as a youngster I got put into like you know ballet classes when I was a toddler or more so 
I think just to go and do something, you know, be be with other kids, do other things that was outside of school and anything physical, anything active, sport related, I was into and I did it, I did it all. And I, I think my parents allowed me to try lots of things, which was, which was great. When I found, when I found kind of my dance performance classes, that's where, where it just clicked for me. It was just very natural and I enjoyed it so much. I loved the people I went with there was a real formality about it but I loved the discipline I loved the physicality of it mm-hmm. um and that never stopped I think the 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 reason I went into musical theatre was because I, I felt that was a route in mm-hmm. um when I was training there was only perhaps you know a handful of big colleges when I um as an option um there wasn't as many as there are now there's yeah. so many different colleges for so many different arts you know it's 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 wonderful now but there was there was this, a few and I got into one of them um and that was kind of my journey really it was a predominantly dance heavy college um but musicals was that was the filter that was the way they were kind of training you so for me it was just an in to the industry it was a, a way in and then from the from the shows I've been able to do other things and mm-hmm. and it, and it was it was more about being a performer and an interpreter and a communicator mm-hmm. more than I want to just be in musicals. When did you know you you because musical theatre it's almost like starting with the hardest element of, of performance. You're going for singing, dancing and acting. It's the triple whammy. <laughs> like, when did you think, okay, I know I can dance. I, I clearly got the pipes. Um, wh- why did you go for that element more, more so than, say, a traditional acting school? Because it wasn't an option for me. Um, I... I grew up in a very small town, very small village. Um, and my dance teacher went to the, the college that I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were, they were incredibly supportive, but they didn't, they didn't know about the industry. My mum was a social worker, my dad was a policeman. And they suddenly had this daughter that wanted to be a performer and sing and dance. And they didn't know how, you know, how that, how that happens. Yeah. So my dance teacher at the time had gone to Lane Theatre Arts, which is where I went. Um, so for us, it was just, oh, th- again, this is this is a route. This is mm-hmm. this is a way. And I, I, I auditioned for, for Lane's and Doreen Bird. I didn't get into Doreen Bird because that's an even more kind of ballet dance school. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, looking back on it, I probably would have been more suited to somewhere a little bit like GSA or Mount View that was a little bit more acting, you know, a bit more, I don't know, focused on that side of me. But at the time I didn't, we didn't really know. So again, it was just me kind of experiencing what was around me and grabbing it and finding a way. So yeah, that's how it happened. And those first few years, coming out out of school and into into the career as opposed to the the training what what were they like for you I I think I was just ready to go through college I I worked a little bit I did a few pantomimes I did a bit of summer season I I was working at a um 
at like a holiday resort before I went to college and also through the sometimes whenever I had breaks at college I would go and work at this at this hotel so I was putting into practice what I was learning and I was kind of on my way already so when I left the you know it is kind of scary when you leave college because suddenly everyone's like well do you need an agent or how do you get the first job or how do you get the agent without the job and the job without the agent and, and that although that was a little bit scary I already felt like I was on my way I was already you know working as such so for yeah. me it was scary but not it wasn't the first time mm. um and also back then there was a lot more open auditions we used to have the stage newspaper we used to have loads of open calls and right. there was opportunity out there which there isn't so much now um there's different ways to get in but it's not like it used to be you know an audition would go up and everybody used to go and queue up in Leicester Square and audition mm -hmm. for whatever it was um do you think it's a bit more oversaturated now? I think it's, there's just not as many open calls. I don't know why there isn't, but there just isn't. Um, and I went to an open call for, um, for a cruise ship and only because my roommates were going. I had a couple of roommates that were brilliant dancers and they wanted to go on a ship. And they were going to this open audition in, in London or opposite... Um, Selfridges at uh, Dance dance Attic, I think. No, Dance Works. Can't remember which one, but it's one down there opposite Selfridges. And they were like, We're going for the day, you know, why don't you come? I was a bit like, mm, Not really bothered about a ship. And they said, No, let's just go, you know, it'd be great. We'll hang out, we'll go out for dinner after we all go and have whatever McDonald's afterwards or whatever okay. it was. And, and I was like, Oh, okay, okay. And I went, and of course, I start getting through these rounds and I'm there all day and then by the end of the day I've been offered this ship this um which at the time was a new sparkly ship that was the biggest in the world and they wanted a singer and I got the job and before you know it I'm I'm going off and cruising around the world and you know I I just happened not I didn't fall into it but circumstance mm. opened up doors to me yeah so from from the cruise ship which is actually still quite a, a traditional move that I think a lot of um, art school graduates go to, to kind of um, pay their dues as such. Mm. When, when did you kind of get the first big role? I was straight after the ship. I came off the ship and I got into My Fair Lady. And mm. then that was, that was where it started. And, and from then, <clears throat> I kind of went show to show to show. And I think once you do a West End show, it does help. You have a foot in the door as such. You start to get a bit of a credible experience. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, then it just went bam, 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 bam. And um, what is that experience like as, as a newbie to the West End? Is it just this insane circus all of a sudden? It's it's daunting because suddenly you you feel like you're in a you've gone up a level and you suddenly feel you're like you're you've got to deliver this professional level of a performance and there's mm -hmm. lots to know I, w I went in the show as a swing and a cover so I had lots to learn just formalities of things like signing into a building and you know costume fittings and timetables and things that rehearsal schedules that I, I just hadn't been aware of before. Mm. I had in a very basic um, system, but not like it was with a Western show, you know, turning up to the National to rehearse and 
with these incredible people, seeing Jonathan Price like walking down to, to rehearse with me. I mean, it was just mental. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty daunting because obviously in the show, there was lots of other professionals that had been around for years. And um, I was very fortunate that I had a lot of support and people that just took me under their wing and, and kind of showed me the way. Yeah. Um, but it was also, it, I think that's very different now. I think graduates come out with a lot more confidence. Now that I'm the older one, in a show, I feel that the graduates come out just ready to go and are confident and are, uh, I don't know, just they're, maybe they're just more informed and more, mm -hmm. um, they have access to a lot more stuff now, especially with the internet and social media. They have access to more people and more information. So I think they're just more, they're ready to go. Yeah, it's, it's not such a hidden industry anymore. No, and also it's a different time because when I started, you had to, you had to do a lot of jobs to get your equity card. You had to do so many hours to get your equity card in what you know in performance. So lots of people were doing things like summer seasons and pantos and anything they could get their hands on before you were able to get your equity card to then do a West End show. Whereas now you don't need that. You can just leave college and go straight into a show. So I, I'm not sure that the dynamic is the same. Yeah. The pattern of going out onto stage every single night, new audience, um, but the same show, is that is that as tiring as it sounds? And more. <laughs> and some. <laughs> yeah, it is, because, you know, for that audience that you're playing to, you know, you may have done the show five times, a hundred times, five hundred times, but the show for that person in the audience may be their first time, maybe mm. their first time they've ever seen a show, maybe their 50th time they've seen a show or that show. Mm. But you have to treat it like it's that their first time. So it's always got to be an opening night for you. It's got to be because people are paying lots of money to come and see you in a show. So it has to be that level. Um, but for me, I mean, I don't usually stay in anything longer than a year. I have done... <laughs> two years maximum but that was when I was a bit younger but I try to move on after a year just because again I like now especially I like variety I like doing things yeah. for short periods of time and also because I've got kids I can't be away for too long yeah um, but yeah it, even in those long running shows it doesn't get monotonous it doesn't it doesn't become repetitive because of the elements that change within the show mm. things like um there's covers go on, there's people get injured, people get sick. Um, so yeah. it's always different on stage. And then also the audience is always very different. Mm. Never the same and you can never quite read them. So it's almost like they're the, you know, they're the, the other actor, the other person in the production, the other element in the production. Yeah. It's always the, the variant, it, it's never the same. Do you, do you find yourself playing with the audience or is it very kind of regimented in what, what you put out every night? Yeah, it totally depends on the show. So something like, say, We Will Rock You was very interactive with the audience mm -hmm. and you did have a bit more wiggle room as such to, to, to interact with them. Mm -hmm. um, something like Les Mis, you know, it's, you can't because they can't be involved. You know, it's, it's 
also you don't have a single second that show is constantly <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah and if I guess in a musical you are more restricted that's why I quite enjoy doing my own things because I can mm. talk to the audience I can react with them I can interact with them yeah um, which is great I love that and how how do you look after yourself during those shows for, for someone who's thinking about going into a career on stage every night how how are you looking after yourself to make sure you can appear on stage every night it's getting harder. <laughs> um, I think when you have the, you know, the innocence of youth, you don't need to worry as much because you're just, you bounce back really quickly. Mm. So I could, could socialize a little bit. I could not work out. I could eat a bit unhealthily and I would just bounce back. Whereas the older I get, I have mm. to make sure that I eat well I exercise I get enough sleep I look after my voice I don't you know don't drink loads I don't go out loads if I'm doing a show you know I have to be a bit more regimented Mm. Um, and also I think the older I get the more I think how important it is to have a healthy mind healthy body I think it all makes such a big difference And, and you are kind of carefree when you're younger it's not as important because you feel a little bit more invincible. But I think if you start putting those elements in earlier, you'll reap the benefits a lot later. Um, you know, in late years, I've found things like yoga and love going out on my bike. I love, I eat, I'm kind of a vegetarian now. So it's those kind of things give me a much healthier lifestyle. And I think that aids your work, your job. Theatre. But in particular, musical theatre, I find, has a bit of a reputation for being quite ruthless. Yeah, it can be. I think it's because, it, essentially, you're competing the whole time. You know, you're competing for jobs. You're, you have to be on your A game all the time because you've got to deliver. You've got to deliver this performance every time. Or you've got to turn up to an audition and you've got to deliver you might have a cast in like in 24 hours and you've got to learn those scripts and you've got to go and do a self-tape. You know, there's, there's a lot of pressure. Um, and it can be, it can be ruthless because it's personal. It, it, it doesn't, it's not personal, but it can seem personal yeah. um, because we're being judged on, on us. We are our product. Yeah. So I think how I try and do it is, is separate the, um the me as a performer product Mm. is not me as a mum as a wife as a daughter yeah you know it's it's not the same thing so when I don't get a job me as Kerry Ellis the performer that's okay because that's a that's a product that's a work thing and I can separate that to if someone's telling you no or you're not right, or you're not good enough, or you're not, you don't fit the bill, and it's it's you as your person. That's quite hard to to handle. Um, but for me, I think of them as two different things, and, and it it helps, and it also helps that you just have to separate that. It's it's not it's not because of you as a as your talent or as a person. It's just because you don't fit. You don't you don't make that particular yeah. show what they want, and that's okay. With with this kind of competitive spirit um i mean it's not just theater it's it's film and everything else as well but do you do you find it hard to build a kind of community with that with that spirit 
or do you find different ways to kind of help support each other and lift each other up if anything it's an amazing community and that's been really powerful through lockdown I think everybody has come together and there is a real there is, is a real sense of family you know and it's not it is unconventional you know you don't get on with everybody you don't love everybody but you feel related to them in a certain way or connected to them in a certain way mm. and I've noticed that a lot with doing my podcast and reaching out to various people and saying look I know I get it you're really busy you I know you're at home you're schooling you're trying to do it you're trying to do your thing but will you come and talk to me yeah. and it's amazing the response from yes I do have connections with most of them not all but it's been amazing how they pick up the phone and go oh my god of course you know mm -hmm. this there's a real community to help each other Denise Van Outen is a is a classic, you know, just to, to point out one person. She's she's fantastic. You can and I, I in the last few weeks I've had conversations with Denise because we were connecting about something else. And I don't see her very often at all. Mm -hmm. But literally, you know, you pick up the phone or you send a message and they get back to you with a response and they there's an instant connection and they're like distant relatives you know I had the same same thing from Ruthie Henshaw the other day we connected over something else and you know I haven't seen Ruthie in forever mm -hmm. but there is a sense of community and and I think that lockdown has definitely um not uh, has definitely elevated it because of of the difficult situation that we've all been in yeah 100% I agree I, I if anything I've seen lots of people who work in the behind the scenes of theatre connecting for the first time really it's not only have do they have these kind of shared experiences where they can relate to that but they've actually started conversing with each other properly about issues and good things and bad things and like all these things and then suddenly you have this amazing community ready to fight for each other and support each other yeah, and it's been really lovely as well to see the people that do have a voice and that mm -hmm. do people like I remember Michael Bull shouting out about, you know, all the crew, all the people that you don't see, all the backstage, all the wigs, the hair, the makeup, the the front of house, you know, the people that you don't see and that don't have platforms. And that's been really great as well, seeing the community come together to shout for other people. That's been really powerful. To talk about wicked for a little bit what was it like to take on that role I didn't know how big it was I mm. think when I went for the auditions I did the show wasn't here we didn't know about it we could we didn't really have YouTube as such we were getting it but it was it was kind of slow so I couldn't access it I hadn't seen it I hadn't flown to New York and seen it I had I had the cast album which doesn't even have the whole whole show on it um so from the cast album I was like oh it's a pretty big thing you know there's a that's a lot of big songs but that's as far as I thought I didn't I didn't it didn't cross my mind really will I be able to do this you know it didn't say it didn't it was just a matter of I'm gonna audition and see what happens and great and then when I even when I got it it didn't cross my mind how big the role is. It wasn't until I started to get into, not even the rehearsals, it wasn't till I started to run the show, mm. like as in I opened the show, that that I started to understand how, how big it was and how much pressure it was and how 
difficult it was going to be to navigate. And was there any hesitation when they said, we're going to paint you green every night? That wasn't really an issue for me. I mean, it didn't wreak havoc on your skin. No, it did. I mean, I'm pretty fortunate that I'm pretty robust and, and it, it didn't. It didn't affect me. Um, okay, that makes me quite angry because <laughs> for a, a tiny show I did at school one time, they made me paint my face red for this show, but they didn't have any red face paint. So they put red lipstick all over my face and I was red for a week. <laughs> But that's you know it's about the right it's about the right makeup I mean we were lucky we were sponsored by Mac Mac created the green it was like a poster paint you know it was very very easy very good um so you know we were lucky I'll tell you what makeup's harder is cat's makeup because mm. it's oil based it's greasy um but the the wicked makeup is actually is actually all right <laughs> did you quite enjoy it was it just your hands and your neck and your face yeah it's kind of up to about here it's like right down over your back and then yeah right into your hairline I mean the hairline halo isn't great yeah because I was the first blonde to to play the role so in America they'd had lots of dark haired girls play it so I don't think they were quite ready and I had literally this green halo <laughs> which was awful <laughs> the question I most wanted to ask you is that big song right before the interval defying gravity what does that feel like like you're suspended in midair <laughs> I suspect getting an enormous wedgie was <laughs> but what does that feel like it depends on the day if I'm honest it depends on a lot of factors generally incredible I mean it's it's the climax not the it's a climax of the show. Um, it's what people are waiting for. There's a lot of expectation with it. They're waiting for you to fly. They're waiting for you to sing those songs. That you know, ah, they're waiting for that. They're waiting for the next bit of the story. You know, there's lots, lots of pressure on that moment. Mm -hmm. And plus, the fact you've sung five or six songs and you've still got to sing another five or six songs. Mm -hmm. So, at, but it is elation. It's absolutely complete and utter elation because you know you it, you feel the energy from the audience uh you feel that kind of excitement and that kind of you kind of hear everybody take a breath it's it is electric um I actually prefer singing it now than I did in the show I, mm -hmm. I found it really difficult in the show um because of that pressure because of the pressure, because of, I didn't find it easy to sing, um, because I'm a really belty singer, mm. um, I, di I, I didn't have this kind of mix sound down very well. Right. So for me, I would tire quickly. So for something like gravity, that's, you have to mix, it, otherwise you're gonna burn out. Uh, I found really difficult. For me, it was like all or nothing. Um, so I, th I found it quite difficult to sing. So I think now that I sing it in various concerts or performances, I just enjoy it because I don't have to worry about singing the next five or six songs. I don't have to worry about, you know, screaming to the end of the show, getting upset. I don't have to worry about all that. I can just sing the song and enjoy singing the song. 
but um, it, it's a hell of a song isn't it like even, even if you're just listening to it on the radio you get you get goosebumps yeah and it's just it, the, the thing about the show is it's it's not just that song mm. it's wizard and i it's loathing it's um uh no good deed it's that's my favorite no good deed is my favorite it keeps coming they keep coming at you and and they're all amazingly brilliant songs and you want to do them all justice and some days you can Mm. some days you can't (laughs) so did 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 you have those days where you didn't quite quite hit the notes as you wanted to and had to kind of pick your boots up in the interval and crack on I had days when I didn't feel on top form yeah absolutely but I mean I would have days I would have months of like I'd have two or three months where I felt great and would just be on fire and I'd be banging out eight shows I'd be feeling like strong and then I think just because of the nature of the show I would have moments where I I was tired and I was I was over sung I was exhausted and then you're playing catch up so I would do maybe five shows a week or six shows a week and you and you're, you can't catch up mm. um and then you, you and then eventually you would and then you do another three or four months you know of, of really good shows mm. um but it's like it's like anything you know we, we, as a like opera singers don't sing that much in that space of time they might sing that much for maybe four shows if that and then they'll stop for maybe four days and that you know so it's an insane amount to put on somebody mm. to, to to perform that eight times a week for maybe a year you know it's, mm. it's a lot I mean you would just wouldn't you wouldn't run a marathon every day and mm. have one day off for a year you just wouldn't and it's for me it's like that do you because of that feeling do you feel like say the the primary role should be shared between two oh massively yeah massively oh it shouldn't be an eight show week not in a million years <laughs> and if you ask anybody that's played it they'll say the same thing <laughs> yeah. coming out of wicked um and on to other things what were the kind of lessons that you were taking from those first first few shows into the rest of your career I think coming off the back of a big show like that, um, again, people are waiting to see what you're going to do next. Mm. There's a lot of expectation. um, And especially because I'd done the show in London and then I'd gone to Broadway for six months and then I'd come back. Mm. My next move was kind of key. Because, again, sometimes you can do this, this climb and have a, have your massive show, and then nothing happens. Where do you go? Yeah. So it was key um, of what would happen next. But I was again, I was really fortunate that another great show came up, and I got to go and do Oliver mm. um, at Drury Lane, which was amazing. Good old Nancy. Uh, amazing. Oh, it was incredible, and the production was brilliant. And I love working for Cameron. I've worked for Cameron a lot, and. To, for him to take me into one of his shows was great. I had a, an amazing company and it was a really nice show to go and do after such a heavy sing, to go and do something that was fun and mm-hmm. that I wasn't the top top of the bill. You know, I was I was a real good supporting and that was great. To just have that moment was lovely. Um, and then I released an album. So again, then I completely gear changed. Yeah. So that was, yeah, it was all right. Just, just on the back of listing the shows there from um, My Fair Lady, 
we will rock you, wicked Oliver. You've played some like really strong female characters. Yeah, I know. Um, I know I've been fortunate, and and I, yeah, I mean there are so there's so many out there to play still. You know, there I'm still scratching the surface really, and now I'm moving into a different casting bracket. So I'm now moving into quite a difficult bracket I think because it's more the roles are different I'm going to be playing mums or playing you know uh the bad witch you know I'll be playing it's it's I'm not that principal girl anymore so and I'm not quite your Norma Desmond or your gypsy yet so it's it's an interesting period um of what will happen next and how how does that sit with you well, again, for me, because I have so much else going on, um, not only just be, you know, not just, but being a mum yeah. is, is massive. Um, and also things, I've always got other things happening. There's always music. I'm always in the studio. Mm-hmm. There's always voiceovers and mm-hmm. always like my podcast. There's a yeah. written book. You know, I'm always doing other things, which, which I love. I like that there's always different things to do, the variety and you are at the at the mercy of what show is around and what show is casting and what you're right for and what is available yeah Um, but then that's the business and I think you can get snowed under with that and and sit there and wait for the phone to ring or you can be proactive and you can go out and you can do your own thing and you can create roles or you can create opportunity for yourself and I think you have to I think that's what's been really good about COVID actually is to see so I mean obviously it's not good that people are out of jobs and not working that's not good but people have had to be creative in terms of how they use their skill sets which they've learned from theatre which they've learned from film and tv and apply them in different ways to help them support each other and it it is this eyes open thing of oh I, I can use this to support myself whilst I go back on the path that I was originally on yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's been great to watch everyone do that. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we are a pretty resilient um, community. You know, we, we are, we have to survive when it's great. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's difficult in its own. You know, people don't, the phone doesn't always ring or the, mm-hmm. the role isn't always available. Um, you're not always right. So we're quite resilient anyway. And this has been, I mean, this has been quite a test, but it has been incredible to see what people have come up with and how people have been resilient. People have been teaching, people have been <clears throat> doing doing their own home videos. They've been, you know, doing uh, workshops online and communicating, going into colleges. And it's been amazing to see what people have, have come up with. With regards to... Um trying different things in the industry like you say you're always got your hands in different pies do you find that transition quite easy are people quite welcoming to those ideas or or do you really have to kind of fight to push forward in those new areas I don't think it's easy no I think you have to be quite um vocal about it you have to be quite pushy about it and I'm not like that really Mm -hmm. my in my normal life, I'm very laid back. I, I'm not confrontational. I'm not pushy. I'm, uh, so <clears throat> to do it professionally is quite difficult for me. However, I do have a lot of passion and I do have a lot of drive. Mm-hmm. So if there is something out there that I do want to do, 
I'm really lucky that I get I have a great relationship with my manager we have a real kind of good communication and we talk about everything and he's really honest with me and I think the older I get excuse me the more I need that in my life as opposed to uh something someone's going to just drive for me I need that conversation I need that honesty of let's give it a go let's yeah. oh, I want to try this and he'll be like great let's try let's give it a go you know he tries to facilitate what I want to do mm-hmm. um but he's also honest with me he's also like well I'm not sure that's your, your thing or let's what, what do you think about this you know he, we have a great dialogue and that's really important to me the older I get mm. when you are first approached about a role what are what are the things that you're looking for is it a, a good script good songs all, all the above does one kind of take precedence over the other I think you get a vibe about things and it's usually about the people if I'm honest it's about if I get a good vibe from the email or the phone call or the people and how they interact or the, how they come to us if you like that's what's more important to me Um, because again the older I get the more precious the time is Mm -hmm. and I want to go and spend time with nice people doing Mm -hmm. something nice and yes I want to do a great project but if you're surrounded by good people you're going to have an amazing time and the project will be great yeah Um, so that's more important to me than than anything else Mm -hmm. What's, what's your favourite part of the process? Is it the, the, the rehearsals, the opening night, the once you're in the show? The rehearsals, I think. Yeah. Um, because it's when you get, again, it's when you get to hang out, it's when you get to play, it's when you get to discover, it's when you get to be vulnerable. It's, it, that is fun for me. I enjoy that. Once the show is up, it's then you're handing over the show to the audience. It's not your show anymore. While you're in the rehearsal room, it's just the show for you guys. And that's the only time it happens. To, to surmise um, your, your career so far, what, what are the good, bad and mad things about what you do? The good thing, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good things for me. Um, the good things are I love my job I love what I do I love that I get to perform and be creative and work with amazing people mm-hmm. and do a job that I love um the bad things are it's difficult to have a work-life balance with a, with something that you're passionate about it's difficult to not let it take over mm-hmm. um and I guess the bad thing is that it takes me away from my family sometimes. Not not all the time, but it, it, it does sometimes. So that's difficult. And to get that work-life balance, I just don't... I, I don't know if anyone gets it right. Do the, do the kids get to come to the shows? Do they like... Yeah, I mean, they toured with me when they were babies. And they, you know, they I, I worked right through my pregnancies. And they used to come with me a lot. Obviously, now they're at school, it's a lot harder mm. for me to kind of you know put them in their car seats and just take them with me that's hard so it's I get the separation a lot more now which is difficult but it's better for them because they're getting older um and the mad things are again that I you know I could be sat here 
today, you know, talking to, to you and then tomorrow I could be, you know, in a normal, in a usual life, I could be going out and performing in front of thousands or I could be on television performing in front of millions or I, the madness is how different the days are. Mm. But that's what I love about it. I love that it's mad. I love that it's not straightforward. It's unconventional. It's different. It's weird and wonderful. And that's why we do it. That is exactly why we do it. Carrie, thank you so much. You're an absolute superstar. Welcome. Thanks so much. It's been lovely to talk to you. This is wonderful. I can't wait to hear it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Bad Mad podcast. Please subscribe to check out the next episode or leave a review if you liked it. You can find us on Instagram at goodbadmad or at goodbadmad.com for additional resources and information. See you next time.